Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 28th episode from the PJ Archive. It's a phone interview I did with Les McEwen, lead singer of Scottish pop group The Bay City Rollers, who were a worldwide sensation in the 1970s. This very enjoyable interview took place in 2011, when Les was touring with a stage show called Roller Mania. How similar is Roller Mania to musicals like Mamma Mia and We Will Rock You? Ah, it's not that type of musical. It's uh, it's uh, it's more like me. What I've done is I've written a script that weaves its, well, its uh, way through all the roller hits. It starts at the beginning where I come on and I, um, you know, say, you know, welcome everybody. This is the story of the basic roar. So mm-hmm. that is song that you just heard me sing was Remember, which is, of course, the very first yep. song I did with the uh, basic rollers. Mm-hmm. And then I go on to uh, tell them that we're going to take them on a musical journey, telling the story of how, like, five ordinary guys from Edinburgh became a worldwide pop sensation. And I introduced my band, who's going to be playing the, the music, and um, tell them about some of the things that happened to us growing up north of the border. And then we go on and on and tell them a little bit about the guys in the original band, how they were called the Saxons, eventually how they changed their name to the base of and how that all came about. And then also some of the guys that used to be in the base of Rose, for instance, in the original base of Rose was um, the guy um, who went on to perform uh, in Pilot, he wrote the songs for Pilot, uh, David Payton. Yeah, David Payton was a guitarist in the, in the original Bay City Rollers. Yeah. And, um, of course, I toured with David Payton in 2007 in Australia. Yeah. And he told me that he had already written those songs when he was in the Bay City Rollers. And that the manager at that time, he reckoned that those uh, songs that he wrote were, were crap. Of course, they went on to become huge number ones all over the world. <laughs> and um, just tell me, Les, have you ever been approached to do a musical like Mamma Mia, though? Has that ever, ever been talked about? Well, the, the, the idea was to start uh, like this, and now over this last what, year, we did it the same thing last year, we did 33 days. Yeah. And over that time, I have been approached by a variety of people to, uh, to write to make a musical, basically. Yes. With, with, with actors and everything. So, um, there's also been people knocking on my door about making a movie, but I quite like the idea of making a musical. And so would that be for the West End? I mean, have you actually gone quite far with the plans? You know, I haven't, but I do intend to. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've got the name. Romania is a great name for a theatre show, I think. Yes. Um, so I've trademarked that name. Right. And uh, so I've got... And, uh, you know, for, for that specific purpose of music and musicals and all that stuff. So we're busy writing away and collecting all the evidence, you might say, that could be in. Uh, it's just that we're so busy doing my um, my first solo album since 1981, and we're oh. doing this tour. So it's, it's not on the back burner, but it's like, it's not just right in front we're doing it every day, you know what I mean? So when we get on the road with this tour, we'll have plenty of time to start thinking about that again. So what type of album are you doing, and who's the record label, and when will it be coming out? Record label, don't know who that's going to be yet. 
release date is, is, should be around about November if we get the right kind of people involved. Because at the moment, um, I'm going through a lot of sponsorship deals. Too. There's people who want to want me to advertise stuff, and uh, so we're trying to find the right kind of backing, let's say, that would help me when I do get the chance to release my record. I would have, you know, sponsorship money for tours and for TV advertising, and that's what I'm looking for. This guy do the same thing that a big company would do and give the album uh, a good chance of getting noticed and yeah. people being able to know, oh, he's got an album out, I might give it a listen, do you know what I mean? What sort of music will it be? Stuff you've written yourself? New material? It's all new material, yeah. It's all self-penned. Um, some of it with my co-writer, uh, Simon, who's helped me with this script on Rollermania as well. A couple of years ago, there was talk of this um, movie of the Bay City Rollers um, with sort of Ewan McGregor and Sean Connery. What became of that, Les? You know, we've had so many meetings with Stuart Pollock, the uh, producer, and uh, apparently he's got the backing from Sony, Sony Films. Uh, last year, I don't know, I must have met him about six times talking about things. He's bought the rights to Car- uh, Caroline Sullivan's books that she wrote about the basic roles called Bye Bye Baby. Right. So he owns the, the rights, the film rights to that, and that's what it's based on. It's based uh, on a fan's point of view, uh, more or less stocking her favourite bands. The actual basic roars are not in it, but her music is in it quite a lot because they've got um, options on uh, all of our uh, catalogue. I know that much about it, but I've not heard from him for about four months, so I don't know if he's going to be doing the song, uh, doing the, the film without our input or if he's going to come back and have us help ad- advertise it or something, I don't know. Because I understood that you were having discussions with you and McGregor was going to play you and Sean Connery was going to play Tam Payton. And was that just nonsense or was that well, true? I think that's just a little bit of uh, PR work from the people who, are, who, 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 were, who they were talking to at the time. Hmm. I mean, that was nothing to do with me. That was the production company who, were, uh, who bought the rights, I'd imagine, saying things like that. So um, you never met up with Ewan McGregor or Sean Connery or anything? No, no. Oh, right. Although I have met them, but I never met them for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Now, in a few weeks, we've got the Brit Awards, and every time the Brit Awards are on, they have a Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh-huh. And it, do you think it's about time the Rollers were properly recognised with that? I think, yeah. Why not? I mean, they recognise everyone else. What's wrong with us? Is it because we're Scottish? <laughs> 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 You know, if they decide that we uh, should be awarded something, it's up to them, isn't it? Uh, what can you do? Do you not feel underappreciated? Sometimes I do feel that we were glossed over because um, the majority of the people who like the basic rollers have been seen as a teen sensation and all that stuff. And a lot of guys were miffed at us because their girlfriends weren't giving out to them and they were keeping themselves on the basic role. So they got bad <laughs> memories of the basic role. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, like yourself, there's a lot of guys who did like the roles just yeah. because it was great, great fun stuff. Um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's such a complicated thing to comment on, really. But it'd be good to win a Brit Award, wouldn't it? Do you rate those kind of awards? Oh, yeah, I do. I rate them very highly. I think they're, they're great stuff. You know, the Mercury Awards, Brit Awards, a whole lot of them. I think the... Um, yeah, I mean, if they were to invite me and, and say, oh, here's a Lifetime Achievement Award, I'd be over the moon. And uh, what do you make of shows like The X Factor, bearing in mind, you know, the way you came through into the pop business? 
Um, what do you think of t- shows like The X Factor? Well, it's hard for me to comment fully on that. My wife watches it, and it just annoys me in the background when I'm in my studio. So I often ask her, I say, well, who's, who do you think's going to win it, darling? Hmm. And she's quite good at picking the winners. Um, and I think that's part of the, the, the appeal of that show to the general public. But as a musician, I think, of course, it's, oh, come on, man. You really ought to be out there on the road learning a bit of trade before you just pop up in the TV, you know. Yeah. And, and you can see that from the auditions. I mean, but it's it's the voyeurism kind of thing. You know, you like to see people screwing up. They like to see people who are who can't sing or who can't do the thing. And then the one surprise one who can, you know, it's all... It's all fodder to me. But it's you, musical fodder. You say that your wife watches. Do you not watch on principle then? No, I'm just pretty busy. I don't. I mean, I like shows. Like if I'm watching the TV, I uh, probably watch catch-up shows like CSI or something that's a little bit more dramatic. Um, I'm not a big follower of those type of shows. When you tell the story of the band in Rollermania, do you just cover the good times, or do you yeah. discuss the difficult issues too? No, I don't discuss any difficult issues. It's a celebration of the years at the top when we were all friends and everything was rosy. Yeah. And there wasn't a problem in the world. And I decided to do that because I have much... In my personal life, I've had quite a, a dramatic um, breakdown in 2008 in, in August with... Um, I was taken to hospital and yeah. got found unconscious somewhere and they gave me a couple of months to live if I didn't stop drinking immediately. Mm-hmm. So I went on to do three months of rehab and turned up my life around. And part of that rehabilitation was to not dwell on all the negative stuff that was, was dragging me down. It was to um, try and turn my life around and think of all the positive good things that I've got. Like, for instance, my wife, my son, my position that I've got right now, my financial position, all those good things that I've got, mm. which I'll be thrown away by continually drinking myself into the grave and, and try and, you know, focus on all the good stuff that happened all during your life. You had great parents, mm. you had good brothers, you were in a great band. So I thought, right, okay, I'm going to write about the good times that I had in the basic roars and I'm going to put on and every night I sing those songs, every night I tell that story, it reaffirms me and it replenishes me with good thoughts, you see? Yeah. And, that, and that was the whole idea of at the beginning. So it is a continuation of my rehabilitation. <laughs> is this, in a way, um, your idea, your dream? Because it would be great for you to be able to go back to those days uh, knowing what you do now and correct things, correct history. Oh, yeah, I'd love to be able to do that, although we can't. But, um, no, I just... Uh, I take it like it is, and it was good fun. I mean, we really did drink milkshakes. We weren't involved with alcohol or drugs, and we weren't, we weren't um, you know, enemies of each other. We were, we got along really well, and you know, and we were. Our main mission was to turn the world tartan, you know, naively in our own little way. We that's what we were doing. Of course, it wasn't until what do you call it when well, when the shit hit the fan, which yeah. was uh, nineteen seventy. Seven, end of 77, yeah. all the trouble started with the, who got what, where did the money go, why have we not got any money, uh, how come Tom Payton's got 16 million and we've got nothing, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I don't dwell on that on this show, this show is just a celebration of the good years, sure. but that doesn't mean that there's nothing in the pipeline about the more um, interesting and, uh, let's say, darker years, because um, I'm writing something about that that could be a theatrical show or it could be 
um, or maybe a, a movie on TV or something like that. So yeah. I think it's interesting in itself, my little journey into hell. How many of the other original Bay City Rollers are you working with now? Uh, I'm not working with any of them. I mean, occasionally Alan Longyear comes along and plays at some of my um and there's a likelihood that a couple of other guys might come along and do a little sh- stint on one of the Roller Mania shows. But nothing will happen with the other guys until the court case is settled in America, and we're waiting on a decision now from the judge over there. So once she's made the decision of how much we're going to get, then that'll all get divvied up. And then we'll be talking about uh, us doing a world tour after that, a DVD, CD tour, uh, just like many other uh, contemporaries have done. You think the original lineup will reunite once this legal battle's over? I, I would say like 99.9%, yeah. So you're actually still good friends, there's just this legal matter to get over? Yeah, I mean, you know when you say good friends, we were, we were the best of friends back then. Yes. And then we had a really bad divorce, and that was caused mainly by other people sticking their nose in and spreading rumour and lies about us, and that was mainly coming from the manager, so... Um, he, he caused us to sort of, like, dislike each other, put it that way. And had, had we um, not listened to him and went our own way and, 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 and communicated with each other and stayed communication, in communication with each other, then that would never have happened. We could have still been doing something on the road, you know? Like, he was a vicious, vindictive man. Yeah. And if it wasn't going to happen his way, it wasn't going to happen at all. If he can't have it, nobody can have it, that kind of thing. So the legal battle in America at the moment, that's to retrieve the royalties that you were all denied over the years? Correct. So finally, you're going to get what you really deserve? Yes. Wow. And how rich do you think you're going to be, Les? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll be happy that we're getting paid what we're due, you know. Uh, But I think maybe they should pay us a little bit extra for making us wait this long. But you're due many, many millions, aren't you? Yeah. So do you think it's going to be like winning the lottery for you? <laughs> yeah, probably will be. You know, we've worked for it. We, owed, we're, we are owed the money. I mean, it took an um, easy three, four years of our lives when we were young guys, and when we were quite happy doing everything that was asked of us. And, we, um, you know, we were performing non-stop for like three and a half years. I think I was on the road. So it was a bit of a chunk, but of course we were enjoying it. We were living the, the life and we were loving being famous and all that stuff. And we just never paid any attention to the finances because that's why we had a manager who was supposed to take care of all that stuff. Of course he did take care of it, but only for himself, not for anyone else. May we know how you felt when you heard in 2009 that he died? Yeah, I'll, you know, I mean, no, it's horrible. He's happy. I'm happy he's dead, but I, I, I was, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but um. At that time, he had no longer any power over me anyway, because I'd forgiven him for his uh, abuse, his mental abuse and his physical abuse, and uh, I was getting on with my life, which I'm doing now. Yeah. Quite happy to just put it in the past and get on with life, you know what I mean, and don't let it drag me down anymore. It's dragged me down enough. And that year, you very publicly underwent rehab. What that is was, the... Yeah, that was late uh, 2008 into January. I think, I think I came out of there sometime in January, late January. How successful was that, Les? Have you now kicked it completely? I, I think it's been successful. I can't say that, um, you know, you know. I, should, I shouldn't even say this, but I, I shouldn't uh, think that there's anything too dramatic going to happen in my life. I mean, you, you can never say never, no. but I doubt very much I would be 
if something significantly emotional happened in my life, I don't think the answer would be the bottle of uh, wild turkey. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I think I would try and handle it in a much more grown-up way. So are you now clean and sober? I am. And what sort of state is your liver in? Because you were a bit worried about that a couple of years ago. Uh, well, that has recovered fully, actually. Really? Um, uh, it does have some scarring on it. Some, yeah. I forget what the technical name is, but um, they're no longer worried about me. I get uh, my, my liver test done every three months. Well, it was every month after I came out of uh, rehab, and then every three months uh, last year. <laughs> and now um, they'll just do it if they think I need it, because I don't have any, any of the signs, if you know what I mean. Wow, so no transplant required? No. And last month there were stories in the press that uh, there was a man in Spain's Costa Blanca masquerading as uh, Alan. Alan Longyear. <laughs> yeah, what did you make of that? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, although I had not have a serious side. I mean, it was, uh, he was, it's a, some kind of form of identity theft, isn't it? I mean, yeah. he could be doing all sorts and you don't know under the name Alan Longyear from the base that he or so. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if the police were involved with that or not. I must uh, call Alan and ask him what the resolution was. Hmm. And uh, although you've never really stopped performing, how do you feel about the fact that the main focus of your work has always been something you were involved in during the 70s, i.e. 30, 40 years ago? Yeah, it got to be uh, a law. Let's say post-1981, uh, it got to me, the, the, the constant basic rule of saying, how am I ever going to get rid of that? Yeah. It, it's impossible. I, saw, I think I saw an interview with Paul McCartney, and he was talking about a similar sort of thing. And uh, you just got to learn to accept that some people are born into greatness, some people have greatness thrust upon them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just thought, you know, we're, doing, we're treating the basic rule as the way I'm treating it now. I'm actually almost appearing on stage in a character, if mm. you know what I mean, a character who is Les McCune, who used to be in the basic rollers, and I'm, I, am, I am the embodiment of, of that person. Uh, it's not like what I want to do in the future. I would like to make some new songs. I'd like to get some new songs out there that, that are uh, obviously composed by myself. I'd like to get some new ideas out there. You know, I might come, I, I might come back as, you know, as, who knows, a scriptwriter, yeah, I might get a part in a movie, come back as a movie star, who knows? Hmm. I might never come back at all. <laughs> but um, and one thing's for sure, I will keep uh, writing, I will keep performing, and um, and just keep doing interesting things. Like I said, this is interesting for me because it's a whole, I'm involved in the creative po process of it. And okay, I'm using the 70 songs that we had hits from, so I'm using my part to create something new, which is Rule of Mania, which the fans really like, so... In that sense, I've created a, another little kind of uh, another way of uh, performing the basic rules music. Over the years, though, have you ever considered changing your name, changing your identity, have, changing yeah. your career? I have. I've, I've decided, uh, I actually thought of changing my name quite many times. Right. Or uh, or pretending that I was a, a band. Let's just say you, you know, just make up a name, and and that would be the project's name, yeah. and uh, just see if. You could do things that way, but the thing is, I'm from the old school, and everything is done different these days. You know, yes, it's all different. It doesn't matter. You, you you don't crack it by going out on the road anymore. You have to have something related to the television or some kind of backing, um, and that's what you need. And the way I'm doing it by myself and my own, I, I do my own website. I do everything by myself. Yeah, 
and I have other people that I collaborate with that help me out as well. But um, I, I think coming from the base at all and having absolutely no control, I've went overboard the other way and, and I've got, grabbed all of the control. Yeah. So maybe there's somewhere in the middle I can meet someone who can, who I can trust enough to hand over some of that control to and just get on with um, the creative process. What did you consider changing your name to and did you consider changing your, your even your features, your face and having uh, surgery? No, no, I didn't consider that. I mean, uh. you can't improve on perfection, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I, didn't, I don't have anything in my head right now. It's uh, about... You know, a particular name I would have yeah. changed name to, you know. Yeah. But uh, I have thought about it, but I didn't think past the, thing, the part of seriously thinking about it. What about that name? What about this name? You know. Mm. And what was your greatest or favourite moment during the height of the Rollers' success? I think the best uh, time in the Rollers when we were in 1975, when wherever you drove in this country, you saw all the teenagers were wearing our stuff, our songs were at number one in the charts and it was the best summer ever it was a hot summer long summer it's, yeah that's probably the best memory for me that whole summer long and how much memorabilia have you kept from those days well i don't think i've got much most of my memorabilia um is in a glass case all around the world in the in hamburger joints you know, <laughs> what, Hard Rock Cafe. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can always eat free when I go to a hamburger, uh, a Hard Rock Cafe, because I'll say, "Look, see that? That's my, that's my outfit." <laughs> and uh, the manager goes, "Sit down and have a meal on me." <laughs> <laughs> and do you still have any of the tartan clothes? And do you wear them in Rollermania? I wear. Well, obviously, I'm a little bit larger than I used to be, so I've had the wife, who's very talented with her hands, make me and the band new roller outfits which look exactly like the old ones but just a little bit bigger Hmm. and what percentage of the audiences who attend your shows these days attended rollers gigs in the 70s i think about 100 percent well well no that can't be true because a lot of people bring their kids too who are growing up maybe 16 17 who have been influenced by their mum playing the music at home so maybe i'd say what 90 percent and do you ever meet any of the groupies that maybe you um misbehaved with all those years ago (laughs) Well, if I, if I did, I'm, I've not got that good a memory. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after the show, we always do a meet and greet after the show, 10 minutes after the curtains uh, are drawn. Get a quick uh, quick cup of tea or a milkshake or something, and then out and sign some meet and greet the, the audience. And usually, the whole half of the audience want to meet you and take pictures and all that kind of stuff. So it mm. takes about an hour and a half after the show. It's quite a long day. Are you still in Hackney? Is that where you live? I am, yeah. Yeah, and how do you feel about living there and not in Scotland, or do you have a place in Scotland as well? No, I don't have a place in Scotland anymore. After my mum and dad died, I, I just sold up anything that I had there and moved out. But when I go up to Scotland, I like to spend an extra couple of days, you know, don't just suddenly come back to London. I like to get, book myself a little cottage or something, take my acoustic guitar up there and have a wee play. And um, assuming you do win this huge amount of money in America in this legal case, what will you do property-wise? Will you buy yourself a mansion that you've always wanted somewhere? Uh, I don't know. I think I'd more likely um, develop some low-cost housing for um, people who need houses. Really? Yeah. For other people, wow. But what about yourself? Where would you ideally like to live if you could? Smack middle in the west end of London. Really? Whereabouts? 
I would choose, if I could, something like Leicester Square or, or somewhere around Soho in a Pentish apartment that was nice and big and have my studio there and with a, with a rooftop garden. And I wouldn't uh, need any kind of transportation. I could get all the food I want at a flick of a finger. Hmm. Uh, any theatre or show you wanted to see is just a, a few minutes away from your house. Including the Rollers show, we hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And um, how uh, healthy are you keeping these days? Are you going to the gym a lot? Well, you know what? I, to be truthful, I haven't been going to the gym as much as I should have. And I, I'm always using the excuse that I'm too busy, I need an extra hour in bed. But I really need to push myself and uh, make myself suffer. So I'm going to get back on it. And bearing in mind all the difficulties you've had over the years, are you really hoping to live to a ripe old age and sort of make up for that? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I've got my doubts. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I've, I've, uh, I've, let's say I've abused my body a bit too much. I think over the years, right. like I, I mean, I would love to live to the age of my father. He was ninety-one when he died, and mum was eighty-nine. So uh, if the genes are helping me out, maybe I'll have a good, I don't know, I don't know another thirty-five years. Yeah. And how do you want people to remember you after you do leave this planet? Oh. I'm not sure how I want people to remember me. I mean, obviously, on the lighter side of life is the, the guy who uh, sang in all those fab, fun songs in the 70s. But I don't think I'm really finished with my life yet, so maybe they're going to remember me for something else. Hmm. And what yeah. other sort of ambitions do you have? Um, ambitions are definitely to continue to want to make some good music and then get that out learn more about the business and, and try and figure out how it works. I've been in it long enough. You think I know how it works, but the thing is the monster keeps changing its spots. Yes. So it's hard to keep up with it. Do you think you might gravitate back to Scotland in your old age? I probably will, yeah. yeah. If, if the temperatures keep changing and it gets warmer up there, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be wearing a kilt then. <laughs> no. <laughs>